0: My name's Dave. I'm one of the pastors here and super excited to start this series with you. Let's do it this way. Um, there was one dad who asked another dad, hey, how do you keep your kid behaving so well? And the dad said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm a pilot, and um, when my kid misbehaves, I just take him up uh, for a, a, a plane ride, and I just look him in the eyes, and we have a little talk, and there's just something about— that time together that just kind of seems to keep him in line and so the first dad says well next time you go up can I go with you because I'd love to see how you do this and he says sure and so the next time they go up and the dad snapped this photo of their conversation <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and that's totally fake you know that but here's why I show that to you because we are going to do a flyover today all right uh, in a couple different ways uh, we're going to take a 30,000 foot view of flyover when it comes to this series. This series, We Are Willow, we're looking at our mission statement. We're going to pick it apart. Love God, love people, change the world. And we're going to see how that's going to impact the entire year. We're going to talk about that over the next three weeks this idea of loving people that we ought to be uh, having this sort of uh, horizontal relationship where we love each other and what does that look like And, and changing the world that we ought to have an externally focused relationship with the world where we're serving the world we're seeking justice in the world we want to be instruments of God's blessing in the world and then this idea that I want to talk to you about starting off this week is love God this sort of vertical relationship with God. And what is that supposed to look like? What does it mean to love God? And there's so much in that. I mean, think about the challenge that I have in the next 30 minutes is to try and explain what it means to love God. There is so much to this um, that I have five points today. Everybody say, ooh, Yeah, Margaret just turned over and said, oh my, he's never had five points before. We are never going to get to IHOP on time today. But trust me, you will get there. And I promise if you will hang with me for five points today, next week's message will be pointless. Okay, I promise. All right. Good. Um, And here's the other way we're going to do a flyover. We're going to do a flyover of Abraham's life. Um, It's not enough just to go into one little story of Abraham. I just want to do a flyover of his life. We're actually going to do 10 chapters today. So buckle up, strap in. Here we go. We're going to meet Abraham in Genesis 22. Now, when we meet him, his name is Abram. And God eventually changes his name to Abraham. But we're not going to focus on that today. Let's just call him Abraham from the beginning. And in Genesis 12, you can meet me there if you've got your Bible. Uh, If not, we'll put it up on the screen. But it says this. Leave your country, God says. Leave your country, your people, your father's household. God says, I want you to leave. Now, why does he say that? Because... Because we find out in Joshua 24, 2, that Terah, who is Abraham's father, in other words, that household, Terah is a worshiper of false gods. He worships false gods. And it, it is like God is saying, hey, I want to have a relationship with you. I have something better for you. I have a greater purpose for your life. I have this incredible dream for your life. But it's going to be hard for you to have that relationship with me If you are constantly surrounded by people who are distracting you because they are loving other gods. So we're working on this love relationship with God and there's people around you that are trying to love all kinds of other gods. And so I'm going to need you to leave those things behind. First point is this, that loving God sometimes means leaving things behind. Sometimes means leaving things behind. Now, it's a concept throughout Scripture, this idea of repentance, this idea of of leaving things behind. In fact, in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 1, they're going to use the imagery of a runner in a race. A runner in a race. Look what it says. It says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It's kind of what the band just led us in doing. That question of saying, hey, Holy Spirit, what is it? God, what is it in our life that is slowing us down? What is it that is, that is keeping us uh, distracted from the kind of relationship that you want to have with us? God, what is keeping us from flourishing the way that you so desire that we flourish in our lives um i brought a rose with me today and um i told rachel i said i'm gonna i'm gonna give this to you you know how, i said you know i'm gonna give this to you at the end of the service and she goes no because she thought i was gonna have her come up on stage and give it to her at the end of the service do you think i should do that i should totally do this <laughs> just kidding okay here's the deal here's the deal um this rose if you're a gardener what do you do every season with the rose bush What you do is you go in and you find the unhealthy portions of the rosebush. You find the parts that are dead. You find the parts that, hmm, they may even be producing a bloom or two, but they're just the weaker parts of the rosebush. And so you prune those portions. Why? Because those portions are robbing resources from the stronger parts of the rose bush and so as a gardener you prune those things you leave some of those things behind and the same God that created that process for a rose bush created you and if we are going to flourish and become everything that God would call us to become there are times in our life that we will have to prune off some dead things some unhealthy things maybe even some things in our life that are producing some fruit or that are beginning to blossom, but they're just not the best things in our life. And maybe God would call us to leave those things behind. You know, here we are at the beginning of a year, we're thinking resolutions, we're thinking, uh, you know, lists and goals and things like that. Most of us are going to have some sort of to-do list for 2022. I'm here to tell you, maybe God wants you to have a to-don't-do list in 2022. And how liberating it might be to look at all the things that you're doing and go, you know what, what is it that God is calling me to do? What is the most important things that he wants me to do in our relationship and in my life that I might flourish and just simply learn the word no to some of the things that we find ourselves so busy doing. Loving God means that sometimes we leave things behind, even good things. Second thing, uh, leave your country, your people, your father's household and go to the land I will show you I will make you into a great nation, he says. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. In other words, I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And so Abraham went. And so God reveals to Abraham this plan and it's really a plan about a relationship. It's God saying that I want to journey with you in life. And I want us to be so close that when there's blessings, there's blessings. When there's curses, there's curses. Like I want to be like in partnership with you in the world. I want to bless you. I want to protect you. And I want to walk with you and and bless you in such a way that you can be a blessing to all of those around you. It is a plan that is about relationship. And I'm here to tell you that that is God's posture towards you as well. That, that, that God sits and, 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 and looks at us and says, you know, I want a relationship with you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, uh, no, no, no matter whether you know the Bible or not, or how many times you've been to church, or any of that stuff, God looks at you and says, I want relationship with you. I want to bless you. I want to partner. With, I want to protect you. I want to partner with you in such a way that your, your life would be on purpose, that you would have purpose in this world, that you would bless other people. That's God's plan for Abraham. Hey, did you notice that God left out one really important part of the plan? God didn't tell Abraham where they were going. Did you catch that? he says, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's house, go to the land I will show you. In other words, I'm not going to tell you yet where we're going. I'm just going to have you trust me on where you are going to go. Guys, uh, number two, second point is that loving God is about trusting God's plan. And I would add to it this, loving God means trusting God's plan, even if he doesn't reveal the entire plan to you and to me. It could be that God is calling us to to go there or to go there. And and we're saying, well, okay, but here's the deal, God. I want to know this step and this step and this step. I want to know how it's all going to turn out before I ever sign up for this plan and trust you and love you and follow you with my life. Guys, that's where a lot of us get stuck in this relationship with God. Um. How many of you have ever uh, uh, heard of the car, the Impala? You've heard of an Impala, right? Yeah, out of, out of, I think it's a, it's a GM, isn't it? Anyway, it's an Impala. Now, I always knew about the car. I didn't know about the animal. But the car is based on this animal. That's the Impala, an antelope-looking thing. I made that word up, antelope, all right? But that animal is unique in a couple of ways. One, it can jump 30 feet. It can leap 30 feet forward. That's amazing to me. Not only can it leap 30 feet forward, it can leap 10 feet straight up. So think, you know, when you're shooting hoops and you're shooting free throws, that's a 10-foot basket. That that animal, or that, uh, uh, Impala right there can leap over the, uh, the, the, the hoop. But here's what's unique. The Impala will not Jump, unless it can see where it's going to land. The Impala will not take that leap unless it can see where it's going to land. Therefore, when you're working with an Impala in a zoo or a nature preserve or that sort of thing, and you want to enclose an Impala, all you need is a fence about three feet high. All you need to do is make sure that the Impala cannot see where it's going to land and it will not jump over the fence even though it could clear that fence by seven feet. And guys, my illustration is this. There are those of us who God is calling into a new adventure? He's calling us into a new role. He's calling us to risk, he's calling us to to follow him into something greater. But because we can't see exactly how it's all gonna turn out, we are paralyzed, we are captive, we, we are captive in the mediocre. We are staying still when God is calling us into something greater. Do you love God enough to follow Him, to trust Him in His plan? even if he doesn't show you every step along the way. All right, let's keep going, because it's what Abraham does. He takes Sarah, his nephew Lot, he gets their entourage and all their possessions, and he's going to go from Haran all the way to Canaan. That's like going from Chicago, um, down past, uh, even farther than Atlanta. And on that trip, they encounter a lot of hardship. And there's a lot that goes on. There's chapters, and you can go read it, but I'd probably point out, the greatest hardship that they experience is probably when they get to Egypt and they encounter um, fear of death. Uh, Adultery is involved. There are plagues that are involved and and just a lot of strife between Abraham and Sarah and, and, and just a lot of hard things. And Abraham gets discouraged. Along the way, he's disillusioned. He's discouraged. And and, and you got to say, but what is, how is God going to react to that? And, and you might be tempted to think, well, God is probably going to get frustrated. Like, keep going, man. Like, keep traveling. Keep following. Keep going. Why are you so discouraged? But God has this moment, this tender moment with Abraham. This moment that he reassures him of the promise, of the plan. Of that covenant that he made about making him a nation. And it's in Genesis fifteen five through 6. It says this, Abraham, look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them because there's so many. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and it credited to him as righteousness. Now, here's what I love about this. God calls him out. He says, look up at the stars. He says, yeah, I want you to be able to really visualize this plan, this, this nation that's going to come. I mean, all these stars it's going to be, that's, that's going to be your offspring. And here's what I love about this. When, when I go outside and I look up at the stars, I see, what do we see? Like a hundred? Like a hundred stars? Because there's so much light pollution around here, right? And we're in the big city. And I grew up in the city, and so when we look up, we don't we, we don't often see a bunch of stars. But how many of you have ever like gone out west, or how many of you have ever gone out in the desert? How many of you have ever gone like out far enough away so that it's really dark, it's really open, it's really open, and looked up? Are you with me on this? Like there are thousands. Man, if you've never said, like if you didn't see that early on in life and you went out, like it just blows you away. There are thousands and thousands of stars. Scientists say that with the naked eye that we can see 10,000 stars. It's about 10,000 stars that we can see with the naked eye. But here's what's so cool. When God asked Abraham to look up And to be encouraged by this vision. Be encouraged by this dream. Be encouraged by what God is going to do in his life. Your offspring will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abraham looks up and he sees 10,000 stars. You and I know that there are actually billions of stars in the universe. And so where Abraham is seeing a dream and thinking thousands, God is looking at a dream and going, no, no, no billions guys part of loving God point number three part of loving God is embracing his dream for your life not thinking small not playing it safe not imagining that oh, he could never do anything with me somebody like me they are being sheepish about it God has a dream for your life that is bigger than your own dream for your life I had a friend, um, a pastor friend of mine, who um, went to plant a church, to start a new church down in Houston. And, you know, he had a dream. He, he wrote in his journal, man, I, man if someday, if, if, if I commit to this for 10 years, God, if, man, if, if there could be a, a church, if we could grow a church to maybe 10,000 or to 1,000 people. And, and he wrote that in his journal. And at the end of year one, he had 75 people. And uh, that's okay. He kind of stuck with it. I, I made a 10-year commitment. So he, he tells the story. He goes into the second year, and at the end of the second year, 75 people. At the end of the third year, and the fourth year, and the fifth year. At the end of the eighth year, it's 75 people. And then, as God would have it, he came to a leadership summit at Willow Creek. And he learned some things about church and learned some things about leadership. And he went back and he applied those things to his church. And in the last two years, year 9 and year 10, his church grew from 75 to 1,000 people, which I think is pretty cool. And I think it's pretty cool that for those of you who have been around that long, who have been around, like your impact has had ripples around the nation, around the world. That's Pretty cool, maybe a dream bigger than you were dreaming. But his dream was a 1,000. Now you go to his church today, it's over 10,000. God 10 x this guy's dream. And I think that sometimes God is looking at me and looking at you and going, I'm ready to 10X your dream. You wanna own a restaurant? Maybe it's 10 restaurants. You wanna, you wanna, you, you wanna coach a little league team? Maybe God wants you to have a whole sports camp that God wants to do. You say, man, I just love my dreams. I'd love to have two kids. And God's going, how about 20 kids? Okay, maybe that doesn't work. Maybe that doesn't work at all, at all. But you get what I'm saying. Now, my friend's story kind of illustrates something else, is that sometimes God doesn't work on the timeline that I feel most comfortable with. Are you with me on that? (laughs) Like first year, second year, third year, fourth year. Sometimes I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's hard. And sometimes loving God means trusting, enough, uh, trusting him enough to wait on his timing. Loving God means to trust his timing. Now, um, Abraham is 11 years into the journey at this point, and he is having a hard time waiting. And so he, he takes things into his own hands. how's he going to have a nation without a son without a without an offspring and that's not happening and now he's 11 years in he left when he was 75 now he's 86 years old and 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 his wife sarah has an idea she says what what if you just um spend time with my servant hagar and so he does he does. He takes matters into his own hands, and it says in Genesis 16, so Hagar bore Abram, Abraham a son, and Abraham gave, the, gave him the name Ishmael to the son that he had born. And a- Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar born him Ishmael. And if you know history at all, if you know um, uh, uh, biblical history at all, you know that that, that, that incident created drama like crazy, but not just drama, but conflict. I mean, just how that went over, just conflict. But even conflict beyond what, we, what you could imagine, because today, even today, thousands of years later, that conflict rages on in the Middle East. Because Abraham failed to trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. And I just want to say to you, you can trust God. His timing. You don't need to accelerate the process when God is not calling you to accelerate the process. Some of you made the, you know, the fitness uh, um, uh, resolution this year, and you're taking this supplement and that supplement, and you're going out and you're trying to do a half marathon like on the first day and that sort of thing. And now you're sore and you're frustrated and you're not seeing the results. And God is just saying, "Hey, just be patient on my timing." Some of you are trying to get the promotion and you are you honestly maybe tempted to fudge the numbers or or take credit for someone else's idea. You're you're kind of taking things into your own hand and God is saying, no, no, no. Would you just love me means trusting my timing. Some of you are, "Ah, you want to be married so bad. You want Mr. Right so bad that you're willing to settle for Mr. Right now? (laughs) Don't do that. Don't settle. Because loving God means you can trust his timing. And you can trust him because he keeps his promises always. If God says it, you can count on it. In Genesis 21, guess what happens? We are now 25 years into the journey. 25 years into the journey, and God looks at Sarah, who's now 90 years old, and says... You're going to have a baby. And Abraham, by the way, is now 100 years old. And we hear the, the, uh, we often think about the miracles of walking on water or healing of the blind or these miracles in the Bible. This is an incredible miracle, am I right? 90 years old and 100 years old. You think about that. This baby's going to be born. They're going to be going to Costco to get baby food for the entire family. Because there's not a full set of teeth among them, okay? They're out there. They're going to get huggies and depends all at the same time. And that's funny, okay? (laughs) But that's what happens. You're going to have a baby, the fulfillment of the promise. And sure enough, Isaac is born. And you'd love to just wrap this story up with nice little bow. Put a bow on it and just be done. But then God said, "Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering." And if you've got questions right now, you just imagine what Abraham is thinking. No, 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 no. We we have gone 25 years, God. What are you talking about? You literally, you, you, you made me leave behind those cultures that did child sacrifice. That, that was common for them. What kind of God are you? I thought you were different, God. What are you talking about? What is this dream been about? How's there going to be a nation if there's no child? God, what are you thinking? And Will, can I, just, can I just say this? Can I say that I have done a flyover of his entire life to get you to this point? When I'm talking about loving God means to, 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 to follow his plan or to wait on his timing or, or to leave some things behind, all of those things are a setup to this thing. Because loving God God is all about this. Loving God means getting to the point in your relationship where you can surrender to him what matters most to you. Above all else, if I had to define it in one way, it would be this. Loving God means surrendering to him that which matters most to you. What matters most to you? is it your career is it some level of accomplishment some letters that you want behind your name you want to get your degree whatever it is yeah maybe for you it's it's uh, you've got to get your 401k to a certain level because that's when you're going to feel secure and you just want to feel free and secure and maybe that's you maybe that's what matters most to you maybe for you it's approval having a certain number of likes or a certain number of followers or just getting the attention of that certain someone or, or, or having someone validate your feelings or whatever it is, that, that you would have the approval of other people. But maybe that's what's most important to you. And, and, and honestly, we probably don't admit it at first, but that addiction... That thing that we keep coming back to over and over again, we don't want to admit that it's the most important thing in our life, but the truth is, truth is, is that we sacrifice money, we sacrifice relationships, we sacrifice peace of mind to pursue that thing. And, and, and that thing is not perfect, but it, it distracts us for a while, it makes us feel numb for a while, it makes us forget our problems for a while, and we can count on it. And so maybe that's the thing that you love most, or that matters to you most. Or maybe for you, you're like Abraham, and it's your family. Maybe for you, your family is what's most important for you. Well, Abraham, it was Isaac. And let's see what happens. In verse 6, it says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. Like, Abraham is going through with this. Like, he's going to do it. And and we don't know how old Isaac is. We don't know if he's a baby. I mean, he's he's not a baby, right? Because he's carrying the wood, right? And he's not a teenager on the other end of it. He's not a teenager because getting rid of your teenager wouldn't be a sacrifice. So um, thank you. Okay, verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham. Abraham, here I am, he replied. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Abraham was getting ready to do it. And God intervenes and says, don't lay a hand on him now. I know that you fear God or, or not, don't think afraid of God. Think that you revere God, that, that, that he has the greatest place of honor in your life, that you love him above all things, that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son, and it was a test all along. And God was good all along, and He had a plan all along. And you could have trusted Him all along, Abraham. And sure enough, we find out that when we trust God with the thing that matters most, when we surrender to God, when we when we hold that thing open-handedly, when we're willing to sacrifice that thing, when 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 we're when we're able to trust God with that thing. That we love the most in this world. Well then sure enough, God is actually what we love most in the world. And that's the place we need to get to. That's the place that we need to get to. And that's what we'll talk about over the next four months or so. We'll talk about what are the things that we can practice to put ourselves in that place. Because the truth is, you can get there one day, and then the next day you get distracted, you you give it up, you take it back, whatever it is. And, and so what are some of those things? Like worship, or communion, or stewardship and generosity, or, or daily devotions, Bible reading and prayer. These are the things that we're going to talk about. Bible reading and prayer, because how do you have a relationship with somebody without communication? The Bible, God speaking to us, prayer, us speaking to each other. Like, we're going to talk about... Some of these things. All right, we're going to close. I'm done. I did my five points. We got you out of here. I've got nine seconds left. I want you to know this story. This story is about Abraham loving God, and it's about God loving Abraham, but it is even more about the way God loves you. Mount Moriah shows up this place where the sacrifice you know mount moriah shows up again later in scripture in the new testament in the gospels only it's not mentioned as mount moriah anymore it's actually called galgatha and for, for sure there was a son who was carrying wood up a hill to prepare for a sacrifice. And Moriah and on Galgotha except in the news story, the wood is not a bundle of wood, it's wood shaped into a cross. And, and, and in, in the news story, there wasn't anybody that intervened because God loved you enough to surrender. Person he loved the most, his one and only son, Jesus. And because Jesus was both fully God and fully man, and because Jesus lived a life without sin, a perfect life, his death and his resurrection gives him the ability to reach down through 2,000 years of history and extend a hand of invitation to you and to say, if you'll come and follow me and put your faith in me, then your sins can be forgiven and you can live with God forever. Your relationship with God can be eternal. So as we enter into this new year, I can't think of a better response To Jesus invitation than for you to say yes and maybe for some of you it's saying yes for the very first time and if that's you I would encourage you come find a pastor after the service talk to talk to one of the people at the guest central and say you know I want to say yes to Jesus and we'll help you make that decision maybe for you saying yes to Jesus is just to come back next week maybe to, to continue journeying with us as we as we think about this year Maybe for somebody else, saying yes to Jesus is to love your neighbor because that was important to him. He told us to do it. Maybe for somebody else, it's to get in a small group or to get on a team around here. Whatever it is that God is calling you to either leave behind or trust his plan. Whatever those things are, I'd encourage you. I'm praying for you. I dare you to say yes to Jesus today.